Hello and welcome to episode 502 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can follow me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Join me as always is a glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How are you going there, mate? Going very well, Andrew. But I don't understand why people are whinging about the fucking draw. Um, yeah, because it's the draw... Mm-hmm. and there's been nothing else to talk about, and they've got all this pent-up whinge inside them. Yeah. And we need to release that whinge. You know what I always find is that no matter what the draw is, the season starts in about March, and then it ends in about September, and then we have the finals, and there's a shitload of games in between, and everyone ends up playing everyone else at least once, and it's a slog of a fucking season. <laughs> And we end up getting the right premiers at the end, the vast majority of the time. So I don't know why people are fucking whinging. Um, I think it's because they're conditioned to it. Stupid. It, well, it is, yes. So the biggest whinge we... Well, let, let's let's go from the top here, okay? So the draw is going to be re- announced on Monday, yeah. November people 13th. People that are listening to this will probably already know the draw. They will, yeah. But we're recording this the night before on Sunday. Yep. So it's coming out tomorrow at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole draw, except for the first five rounds, because we already know what they are, because one round came out a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've heard that after round one came out, Channel 9 had the shits. Yep. Um, and my, my response to Channel 9 having the shits with the draw is, um, well, you know what, if you hadn't sat around shitting on the game during COVID – then you'd probably have a bit more of a say and you get yeah. what you want. So fuck you, shut the fuck up, and yeah. let's all move on. There's four more rounds have been released after that. Um, we've found out that Origin's going to be in the MCG. Yep, Origin second two. game. Yep. Um, and the big drama today was Melbourne said that they are not going to relinquish the Anzac Day game they play against the Warriors in Melbourne. And the Warriors said, we want to play the Anzac game in New Zealand, so mm. we're having a cake and eating it too. The Warriors are going to be playing mm. a Anzac Day in New Zealand. I think it's against the Titans. And Melbourne's going to be playing their Anzac Day, Day, Day game down in Melbourne against some other side. I just think that the NRL should say, we're putting the draw out on this date, and they just put it out. Like this leak and that stuff, like... I know during the week I put up, because they leaked out the pre-season, the pre-season competition, which I, who cares about the pre-season comp, hey? Do you remember all of the big fucking celebration when Manly won it last year? Or this year? <laughs> like, no one gives a fuck. And then... But it's, said, it's, uh, uh, it's for $100,000. Yeah, it's like that. There are plays that f- fucking do that much coke in the pre-season. Um. I'm just reading the the uh, presser from the NRL about it, and they called it 16 intense and intriguing clashes across two weekends of oh. entertaining footy. How much more descriptive words can you put in there, all of which are lies? I know, exactly. And then they, they released the Origin one, obviously, and, you know, Origin's a bit different, so that's fine. But then they – and then it seems like Penrith are going to go over and play Wigan over in – I don't know, some fucking little town over there. They'll pick some little shithole town in northern England. And then uh, 
But then they start doing them. Here's the round one draw. Here's your first five games. And like, just fucking release the draw, you dickheads. I don't know what they think they're going to get out of withholding it. Just release it and move on with your lives. Yeah. Um, Shall we go through the preseason challenge? It's apparently intriguing and intense and exciting. No. Done. So... (laughs) Who do you think is favourite for the preseason challenge, Andrew? If I gave a fuck, I'd probably be taking a shit. Um, I generally don't care. I know, right? It's the I'm, dumbest thing ever. I, I mean, if Manly won it, what does it really mean? Luke Brooks. Oh, the, did you see his quote during the week? No. Oh, it was no. so beautiful. It was so Luke Brooks. He basically said that. He basically said that. Uh, it's it's going to be nice to um, just be out of the spotlight finally at the at the, at the Seagulls, and it is, he said his best footy feels like it's ahead of him. Well, it's certainly not behind him. <laughs> but can you imagine, right? You're one of the highest paid players in the entire sport for at least five years or so, okay, and. You you go to another club and the first thing you say is you're like, whew, now I can chill. Thank <laughs> God I'm out of that fucking dive of a hole I was in. I remember the big spotlight he was under when he didn't play any finals games ever. <laughs> like, can you imagine if he's if you said to Nathan Cleary, Hey, Luke Brooks has been under a real spotlight. You should give him some fucking uh some sympathy over here, Nathan. It's uh it's worth noting. That in just over a month's time, Luke Brooks turns 29. Yep. Uh, 205 NRL games. 76 wins at a win percentage of 37%. Who is the, who's the biggest loser between him and Stacey Jones? Oh, it'd be Brooks surely, wouldn't it? You reckon? 37%. Let's have a look. Yeah, yeah, it's going to have to be. Stacey Jones, 44.83%. 44%. He's put 7% on him, man. He's fucking lapped him. Honestly. And people say that he's the best halfback in New Zealand history. Well, that, that's just in the NRL. For Catalan, it's 40%. Yeah, but, but that it's, doesn't count. It's, it's, coming, doesn't count. it's coming down a little bit. Yeah. For uh, New Zealand, it's at 58%, so it goes up a little bit. Now, what was Gary Freeman's winning percentage? His would be pretty decent. Mm. He was one of those players where teams got better when he was there. Yeah. And then they got worse when he wasn't. Yep. Um, 51.63% in the NRL. There you go. It's worth noting that he wasn't in the NRL for very long, nine seasons all up. Um, he went to East when just before they started their rebuild. So he was there in 92, 93. They weren't, East weren't doing very good at that time. Yeah. He still won 57% of his games there. That's he went crazy. To, went to Penrith, 94, 95. So that was when they were starting their rebuild after the grand final successes that they had. Pretty much, yeah. 
and they're at the very, very start of it. And he won 43% of his games there. And then he went to Parramatta, who pretty much choked every time they played in 1996. <laughs> um, had a great, great roster. And for some reason, were just shit. But he still won yeah. 41% of his games there. Yeah, he's a better halfback than Stacey Jones. Very, very underrated halfback. Yeah. yeah. Tough. And he tough for a little bloke. He was smaller than Stacey Jones as far as, like, weight goes. Yeah. Um, and size. So he wasn't wasn't exactly a great defender, but didn't fucking stop him from having a crack. No, he's a very good player. Real competitor. Very determined. Um, no. And over in England, he won 53 points, 53% of his games over there, and he played in the lower grades for Kent Victor. Sorry, Kent Invicta in 83-84 and played for Castleford 83-84. I've never heard of them. Kent Invicta? Yeah. Uh, I think they're... Um, I think they became one of the lower, lower ranked teams. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. It's weird every so often you'll see one of those lower grade teams over there. They'll spend a lot of money on a player that they just stick in their lineup alongside like plumbers and, you know, people like lawns and shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that's half a super league, isn't it? It is. Um, Right, well, speaking of great quotes, I've just seen this one. I've not read any other content to do with it, but it's from Benji Marshall. Okay. Because if there's one thing we know that the West Tigers can do better than any other team, it's talk themselves up in the offseason. <laughs> yeah. They can do you talk name a good a team, game. Can you, talk, can you tell me another team that has the biggest mouth and the smallest nuts when it matters than the West Tigers? The, I, I tell you what, the, the Parramatta Eels did pretty good for a little bit there, but then they they got destroyed in the grand final, and that stopped. Yeah, That's I mean, really the only one I can think of, hey? Every season, the Tigers are talking themselves up. Yeah. This is going to be the year we turn things around. We're going to be best. We're going to be better. We're going to be stronger. We're going to blah, 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 blah. And then they just balls it. It's a new era. It's a new era, Mark III. Um, <laughs> the quote from Benji is, we've signed halves. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's really thinking outside the box there, hey? That's a good start. That's a good you, know start. What? you know what, Andrew? Money call. <laughs> Money call. This is fucking Sheen's ball. <laughs> She's looking at going, Peachy, what are you signing halves for? That's what we've got second rowers for. <laughs> Who is it? It's Aiden Caesar, and who's the other one? There is another one. Who's the other one? Oh, it's some other bludger. Oh, no, is that guy from the Dragons? Uh, Young fella from the Dragons. Don't know his name. Sullivan? That's the one. Jaden yeah. Sullivan? Yeah, I think that's him. And some some um, juniors. Okay. Who are playing in the house as well. So apparently that's great news. Um, so how much will the Tigers beat Penrith by in the grand final next year? It's going to be a tough one. And uh, how long do you think it will take Nathan Cleary to overcome the absolute ballsing he's going to get from Aiden Caesar? Well, Aiden Caesar's a great, great player. Great player. Played really well for Huddersfield. 
I'm, I, I've got the impression, right, and I'm only going off uh, the good PR from the West Tigers at the moment, mm-hmm. that Nathan Cleary, he, he surrounded himself with, with his missus and letting her know that he needs as much emotional support as possible because when she's not there, he's sitting in the corner in the fetal position, rocking backwards and forwards, saying, Aiden's coming, Aiden's coming, Aiden's coming, Aiden's coming. <laughs> and he's shitting himself. Um, so, yeah, it's great great news for the Tigers. Um, more great news, the problem with the Tigers all these years mm-hmm. has been removed. They've announced, today, they've announced today that they've removed the problem. Well, they didn't mm-hmm. say it was a problem, but, you know, when there's a when there's a club's not going well, you've got to start acts and players. Heads have to roll. We can't tolerate this sort of weakness and mediocrity anymore. Mm-hmm. So they've started cleaning out. So they've got rid of the bloke who runs out the water bottles because he's the fucking problem. Ron Palmer, yeah. <laughs> Ronnie people Palmer. Get, people get really upset when he leaves a job too. Like, I mean, he's been running the water in the NRL. It must be like 30 to 40 years. Like, he had a good run, people. Just calm down. Why Why even announce that that bloke is leaving the club? I don't know. The, the Tigers did that. They made that an announcement. They turned that into news. Yeah. Anything that takes attention away from the CEO and the chairman, yeah. I think that that's what they're doing at the moment. Problem is, let's be honest, Ronnie Palmer is a, he's a bit of a cult figure. Within the NRL family, not because anyone thinks that he's phenomenal or anything like that, but remember, you know, people just have this memory that he's just a uh, fun loving guy. Wasn't there some some ad or something that was on years ago and people thought the, he looked like that? The Cougar. That's the one. Yeah. He, he became a cult figure because of that, and so when you become a cult a cult icon like that, it means you've got support and no haters. And the Tigers have just gone and given a bloke who's got lots of supporters, they've given him the ass. They've made him unemployed. Well done, West Tigers. He was the problem. <laughs> Fucking pricks. Oh, man. Like, get, sure, get rid of him. I've got no issue with that. Why make it a fucking news story? Yeah, it's a strange one. Like, stupid. They really bloke. do believe that any news is good news at the West Tigers. It's they very, do. very interesting, but... If you and, want, if you have time, and you're bored, and you want to be amused by the West Tigers, go to their Facebook page, their official club's Facebook page, and every time they put a, a message up there about memberships, because that's what they're all doing at the moment, read the comments. Oh, really? No one, no one is replying saying, "Yep, I'm getting my membership." <laughs> go to the West Tigers in 2020. None of that. They're all saying. I used to be, I was a member for this many years. I was a member of the Bowman Club or I was a member of the Tigers Club or the Magpies or whatever. And I am not renewing until those two dickheads running the club are sacked. Yeah. And that's the way. And that's the way. I'm saying it everywhere. And you know what? That's exactly right. You can still support the club by watching them on TV, turning up to games, right? You can still support them like that. The, the biggest support that the club sees is through memberships. And when the news comes out at the start of the year that every team's got memberships around eight, nine, ten thousand plus, whatever it is, and the West Tigers are sitting at 3,000, yeah. 
that's what needs to happen. And they need to be getting the wooden spoon on memberships. Yeah. Because that's where you'll start to see some change. Because that's the one thing that the the two fucking idiots running the club are hanging their hat on. That's their market of, of success is how much money that the club's making and how well it's going, which we recently found is a load of bullshit as well. They're, they're, they're not going that well as well. But if the membership's yeah. number is also going dog shit bad and it goes backwards a long way, they've got nothing to hang their hat on anymore. And they've got a lot of hats. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> do. Hang them. F- funny little hat. You always got to be weirded out by somebody that has the funny little hat that they wear everywhere. I don't, but, I don't get the hat cosplay. I tell you what, he would have loved Melbourne Cup. He, he, I reckon he's got a bunch of fascinators and hats everywhere. He'd be loving it. He'd have put them all on. I bet he, I bet he wears a top hat. Oh, he's got one. Yeah, yeah. He's got to have one, and he'd, he'd be, he'd wear every single fucking one of them to the cup. <laughs> look at me, look at me with my three kilometers of hats on my head. Look at, look at you, indeed, you fucking idiot. It's, it's very strange. Um. Sorry, you know, sorry for being sorry for being a bit sweary early on. <laughs> I don't like people that swear, hey Andrew. I just think they're cunts. I know, I know you do. You've told me this before. <laughs> uh, really interesting news coming out of basically England during the week. They were talking about how they were going to be playing Samoa next year, and Samoa said, <laughs> "No, thank you." <laughs> and now then Samoa said, "Are we?" <laughs> well, I I don't like. I don't remember it being set in stone that Samoa were doing that. and the, But the fact that Samoa said no thank you to England is a real turning point, I think, for International Rugby League. And everyone's just had a gut full of English Rugby League. Like, I have I watched that third test between Tonga and, and uh, England, and it was the worst <laughs> officiated game I've maybe ever seen in my life in a series that was easily the worst officiated series I've ever seen in my life. Um, and it was great that Samoa just said, no, go fuck yourselves. Yeah, it's, um, this, this international calendar is looking a bit shaky, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. To be honest, because even, even with Samoa saying no, right, if a team, if a nation could just come out and say, okay, this country's going to come over and tour us next year. Who's who sets the calendar again? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, it, that, like who was setting it? Yeah, and this is this is the shit that needs to change. If the international rugby league is going to have any balls and have any respect in the whole rugby league community, they need to come out and say, right, this is the calendar. We don't give a fuck what you say. This is what you're doing because we're telling you you're doing it. None, none of this. Oh, we've got a like seven or eight games we've got planned over the next 32 years and we're going to have like three or four World Cups in there. We might put them all together every now and then and spread them all apart some other time and, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll wing it. We'll be fine. And then all the clubs, all the nations go, oh, we're going to play this team there. And they go, yeah, okay, no, that seems fair. No. Well, the, the problem <laughs> is that they set up the entire international calendar around England. And so it was like, oh, good news, everyone. England's going to stay at home again for the next three years. And then there's going to be World Cup probably in the Southern Hemisphere. And then England's going to go back home and there's going to be a couple of tours in England again because England stays at home. And then there'll be a World Cup in the Northern Hemisphere. And guess where that's going to be? Um, 
and everyone's just had a gut full of it. Like, it's not up to the rest of the world to go to England all the time and try and drag them out of the financial ruin that they've put themselves in. And I was really glad to see that Samoa just said, no, we're not doing that. We can stay at home. We can play the best teams in the world. And we don't need to go over and play under, you know, this whole Tonga versus England series was just a PR event for the Rugby Football League. It was just another way for them to say, hey, everyone, look, we're so much better than Tonga. We beat them 3-0. But if you watch the series, and even England fans were saying it to me on Twitter, like the entire series was a farce. And Samoa just wasn't going to be involved in it. I thought it was fantastic. And Samoa will play in the Pacific Championship next year. Tonga will be in it next year. And they're both going to be really good. They're going to play good opposition. And it's going to be great. It'll be great to see. And England can go and play whoever. They'll probably make up a team again. Because they don't like playing France. No, well, you know, kind of that. But let's get into this Pacific Championship because... I have an issue with what they did this year. Okay. It makes zero fucking sense. I know. Right. Why have three teams playing in one one Pacific Championship and then another three teams playing in another thing and another Pacific team, a rather vital one, over in England doing its own thing? Like, if we're going to have a Pacific Championships, don't break it into two different fucking championships. Let's put them all together. Yeah. Right? We don't have to play each other two times or anything like that. If you want to keep it brief, have two groups if you want, but have six teams, and they play each other in their group once, and then you go into finals, if that's what you want to do. Yeah. But I'd be more inclined to do it over the course of two seasons, right? And you've got six groups, you play everyone once, right? It doesn't have to – you don't have to do home and away. You, just, you play five games, right, over the two years. So three games in year one, two games in year two, you've got all your pool games out of the way. The top two teams can play in the final at the end of the year, and then bam. That's your Pacific Championships. You do that over two years, you're not flooding your uh, calendar because teams are only playing three games a year, which they did this year. It was fine. So that would that would still work out okay. It's not too too much, but it's enough, and you're getting to see teams playing against different opposition every game, except for the mm-hmm. final, obviously, which is great for every nation. It's great for everyone watching as well because you get to see where you where you are against all these teams. You're playing all of them. You see, do the whole I, would, I would just, because I, th- I think that it's important to have a trophy at the end of the games because can you imagine what the reception would be if we just had the Pacific Championship just now? And it was like to be continued next year. Like people would just be like, "That's silly." I just have it as a knockout campaign. Well, you can do that as well if you want, but it's got to have all the major nations in. You can't have bits of them here and bits of them there. Yeah, that's right. silly. The other thing too, and I don't want to sound disrespectful to the trophies because they probably do have a, have a special purpose or meaning. They did kind of look like they come out of the homewares department of Kmart, though. They did. They looked like you should serve cheese on them. Yeah. Cheese and cabanossi. And I, I don't know how we work with that. Maybe if if there is a significant story about why they've built that way or, you know, it's a Pacific Islander thing or something like that, 
How's about you fucking tell us and you make a big deal about it? Yeah. Right? We, Instead of it, us just seeing it at the end and going, oh, look, they got themselves a chopping board. That's nice. I like trophies that are super different. So, I, like, I think it would be awesome if the trophy that you won at the end of it was like a, a life-sized rocking horse or something like that or like a giant fondue thing. Like, wouldn't that be cool? We've got a Trojan horse, and we can, the winner gets to take it to England. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, something like that. That would be brilliant. If they wheel in a Trojan horse, and that's your trophy. Yeah, now we're talking. Yeah, I, I think that it needs to be something super different. Like, if you're going to go different, forget the chopping board, just go super, super different. Give give the winning team a car, just one car. They have to share it. And those the two. Yeah. <laughs> right, you've all got to hop in now. What if what if the the trophy was like a mini? A mini? Yeah. Can you no. imagine like they just get six players and they carry a mini around the field? <laughs> That's exactly what they have to do. That'd be great. That's brilliant. It was uh it was pretty amazing to see like a thirty nil scoreline against Australia. I think that it was you know we, you and me joked about it that New Zealand probably turn that result around from the second last game. Um, and I think Australia probably relied on some experienced players and didn't push their selections too hard, and it eventually bit us on the arse. It didn't do it in during the World Cup, but it did it in this, this competition. Um, and I think that from now on, I mean, it's going to push Australia to have to really pick players that instead of picking guys like, you know, we're picking guys that, oh, he's a good bloke and he's been around a long time and stuff. We've got to stop doing that. We've just got to pick the best players available. Um, and, and and in their positions. Yeah, yeah. I've complained about this at the New South Wales level, picking up a bunch of fullbacks and they've got one at centre, one on the wing, you know, one actually at fullback. How's about we just pick the best in their positions? Yeah, yeah, and 100%. I know a lot of people are going to be critical of Nico Hines. I think the problem we've got with Nico Hines is he's a specialist halfback at the NRL level, and that's how he should be treated at rep level. But at New South Wales and for Australia, he's been turned into a utility back who doesn't play any halfback position whatsoever. So he's on a hiding to nothing, okay? Only the very, very... Most amazing of fucking talents, and we're talking in recent times, Darren Lockyer and Andrew Johns mm. are able to come into a, a rep side and play in a different position that they've played during the rest of the year. Right, That's the level you have to be at. I'm not saying Nico Hines is shit. I'm saying he's not Darren Lockyer or Andrew Johns, and that's a pretty fucking high bar that's set there, <laughs> right? Yeah. So we can't keep picking him and having him either playing as some sort of middle player in the centres because he's not defensively built for that. You think of all the positions he's played in his time, it's fullback, mostly at the Storm, and halfback at the Sharks. Yeah. And in both, fullbacks just don't make many tackles at all in the NRL. Why would they be? But halfbacks, they will get run at a lot, right? So their job is basically to hang on for dear life when they're making a tackle, unless you're Nathan Cleary or DCE um, or Ben Hunt. I think that's about it, really. Um, most halfbacks, though, are going to be protected by usually the lock. So the halfback just has to hit and stick. The lock will do the rest of the work. 
That's basically it. You can't be a hit-the-stick bloke at centre because <laughs> half the time you're not going to stick because you're, you know, you're standing still while the, the centre's sliding or he's running forward towards you, and he's running at pace, whereas you're not running with any pace. So just sheer physics says you're going to lose that battle if you're not moving with them at the same speed. Yeah. And if you're not dropping your shoulder into them to try and stop them or slow them down or wrap the ball up, you're not also not going to get any support from your other um, nearby defenders because they're going to be one-on-one with their opposite number. So, well, like, at, at the end of the day, the problem with Nico Hines is that they keep picking him out of position. But if you picked him in his preferred position as a halfback, he's not a representative quality halfback. That's right. Because uh, if he was, he'd be the halfback in these teams. Yeah. So they need to just stop selecting him until exactly there's a right. place for him in the team. Exactly right. There's no need picking him if Nathan Cleary and DCE and Ben Hunter in the team. There's just no point. And it's not a criticism of his form or anything like that. There's no way for him to play. All available positions are taken. Okay? It's, it's the only other spot that. you're going to put him is a fullback. And you've already got you, – you, you don't need a replacement fullback. You don't need a fullback on the bench in a game of football. Your fullback plays 80 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a, – it's a nonsense thing. The game has gone away from having a specialist backline player – on the bench. You can't carry that. You need a utility back on the bench, especially one who can play in the middle. And, you know, classic example I go from the Sharks is Talakai. You can play him at centre and you can play him anywhere in the forwards. Yeah. Right? Brian Tuo is another great person who you could put on the bench because as much as he's a winger all the time in the NRL, you can put him in the middle and play him at centre or play him in the back row or something like that if you need to off the bench as an X-rated, as an ex-player, you know, that, X-factor sort of thing you need. Because you know that the meters you're going to get from him are going to be great no matter where you put him. He can do that. So but you, you're not getting that with, with Hines. So they've got to stop picking him because when they're using him, they're not using him the best way to get best value out of him. And they're putting him out of position as well. It's so frustrating to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm just... I'm just sick of hearing what a nice bloke he is, <laughs> and then he's every time he's in a rep team, it's like it's great that he's a nice bloke. That's much more important than how good he is in a rep team. But when you pick in a rep team, you just got to pick the best play, players, uh, players available, you know. And and he, he's just not one of them at the moment. He might be one day. There's nothing wrong with what he does in the NRL. He's a very good halfback for the Cronulla Sharks, but. We're talking about New South Wales and Australia here. And, I mean, what happened to him in the New South Wales camp was just terrible. And it wasn't much better in this Australian team. And, you know, it, it's fine. If he's just a really good club player, that's really great. There's nothing wrong with that. But we've got to stop carrying these players because, you know, we hope that they'll, they'll, they'll I don't know, one day grow into the role. You know, we just got to pick our best players. I'm I'm adamant that he is better than than just a good NRL player. He would be a decent rep player, but he has to be the starting player. Okay, if you're going to get if you're going to get a good performance out of Nico Hines, he has to be the starting halfback. I don't care what level. That's just how it is. If he's not going to be the starting halfback, don't pick him. Mm-hmm. That that's all it is. You know, all those years when DC was really good, they didn't go 
go around putting him on the bench all the time for Australia, Australia and Queensland when Cooper Cronk was there and Thurston were there. He just didn't get picked. Yeah. Sometimes they started putting him in there every now and then when they were short on players and stuff. But that's the reason, you know. And when they brought him on the field, they put him at halfback and they moved Cronk to lock or some shit, you know. It was <laughs> fucking crazy what they were doing. But they were putting him in his specialist position. And that's what you do. So that's the thing that's dumb about this. Um, I see a lot of talk about people saying Tedesco's done. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, done. We talk, We were talking about this in the World Cup last year. We were saying he'd lost a step in the World Cup. Yes. Yeah, and he should have retired at the World Cup, really. Yes. Um, would have been a good note to go out on. Mm. And I think he probably... He probably would have contemplated it if we had have had another great season from Tom Trebojevic. But I'm now willing to say that Tom is also done. Yeah, he's and done. Because we we don't need Tom anymore, right? Because we've got Dylan Edwards who can play at fullback. So let's yeah, just put like, Dylan Edwards at fullback, which again goes back to what I was talking about before, and not put him on the fucking wing. Yeah, it's silly. And, you know, he's there. He's ready to rock and roll. Um, he had, had 25,000 assists this year. Yeah. <laughs> he ran for 75,000 kilometres. Did you know that? Did you know he had 84%? <laughs> also, <laughs> 12 inches. I've heard. Um, I've heard. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you, they, they've got a really good opportunity that you can chuck in Edwards right now and you know that you're going to get a reliable performance out of him. And then eventually I think Reese Walsh is probably going to take over that. Um, if not in the next, like, I mean, it might be, he might be the next fullback for Australia. Like he's right there. So, you know, th- there was no need to be carrying a James Tedesco that's off the pace. And look, he was off the pace in the NRL a little bit this year. Not that he can't make a difference, but he's not the player he once was, and that's that's everyone has been beaten by Father Time. You know, once upon a time, people were saying the same thing about Clive Churchill. They were like, "Man, I think it's time for Clive Churchill to hang him up." So it's you know, it happens to everyone, and that's fine. But uh, it, it probably should have been. We should have been looking forward in this series, and I think that we just tried to rest on what we had. And it didn't work. And eventually, I mean, the Kiwis were, like, they were absolutely magnificent across the entire park. Their performance was about about the most complete com- performance that I've ever seen at test level. They were fantastic. Well, it was the third time in Australia's entire history. And this is in, not just test matches. I'm talking about every single game they've ever played, including tour games. Just the third time that they lost by a margin of 30 points or more. It's crazy. So the record, and um, your mates over in England are like this, 1956, Australia lost by 42 points to St. Helens. Mm-hmm. 44 to 2. But that's their Emus team, isn't it? Um, I don't know if I've, have I got the squad here. I can't remember. I do. Um Kind of. Who's? No, that's a that's a pretty strong side. I mean, it's going to be a strong team. <laughs> Problem is that 
that 56 um, squad that went over to England, that was that one that was between... Um, it, was, it was just before we had all of those great players from South and the Dragons turn up. Yeah. Uh, so it was a bit of a weird one. But it wasn't too bad a side. It had a very good forward pack. Um, but, yeah, they just got schooled by St. Helens. Uh, 44 to 2. The next one was uh, 1959. One that they should have won by quite a good margin. That was against Yorkshire. They lost 47 to 15. That was by 32 points. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, 30 nil against New Zealand. Uh, number four, they lost 37 to 10 against St. Helens in 1970. Mm-hmm. And then their previous worst record at international level was 24-point losses both to New Zealand. 1952, they lost 49 to 25. And in 2005, 24-0. 24-0, yeah. That was the first time I ever saw Australia not turn up. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think that this game was different than that because it was just a case of New Zealand just put one on them. Um, but in that, that game where they lost 24-0, Australia just didn't turn up in that one. It was really weird. It was the uh, it was the Trent Barrett effect. Episode 21, <laughs> check it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was... It was record-breaking. There's no doubt about it. The crowd for that game was abysmal. The final. Um, I th- it's funny. Mm-hmm. I know I made a tweet about it, but um, the day after, I think it was, or the night before, I can't remember, very the same time, the New Zealand, uh, sorry, the Tonga versus England game had, what was it? 17,000, 15,000, a very similar crowd. It was a little think, bit more. Yeah, it was only a little bit more, though. Yeah, it was only like 1,500 more or something like that. It wasn't yeah. by much. Yeah. And I, I saw around um, a few social media sites, some other people going, geez, this is a pretty good crowd for an England v Tonga game. They, they're pretty happy with the crowd there. And then you look on social media as soon as this, the game starts between Australians and everyone's going, where the fuck is everyone? I mean, yeah. It tells you. Where the game is at at both halves. Yeah. And, and like, I, I tend to think that it was probably a failure that happened in Hamilton where they held, held the uh, Pacific Championship final. I, I don't, like, it just boggles the mind that... Because remember, we saw a preseason game where the Tigers packed that place out, the exact same stadium. Um, so well, I mean, I guess that's because the New Zealanders knew that if they turned up to watch the Tigers play there, they're going to watch their team win. <laughs> possibly, that's possibly. a draw. But when, but it, when, that, it's, when you're playing against Australia, you're going, well, you know, there's not much of a chance here. Well, so so that's why I felt like it was probably a failure on whoever the promoter was. Um, I asked who the promoter was. A lot of people said it was the New Zealand Rugby League. I had seen that. Yeah, but uh, and like the New Zealand Rugby League's terrible. Like their team's great, but the New Zealand Rugby League is just a, not much of an entity at all. So that was a failure on their behalf. And and like the the crowds that were over in England to watch England play uh, Tonga, they were just bad throughout. And even when that, like I heard people saying, "Oh, the game in Leeds, the third game, the game is sold out, sold out." It wasn't. Um, and yeah, I think it I think it might have been fourteen thousand seven hundred or something like that. 
and it was the best crowd that they had in the whole series. So it, there's they, they really have to look at how they're promoting these internationals. I heard a lot of people in England saying that the prices were ridiculous, and I heard that as well in for the New Zealand for the final, uh, the didn't Pacific we, Championship we were final. Didn't we hear hearing about that during the World Cup? You'd we think would You'd think they would have learnt. Well, look, I remember when I was getting tickets for the World Cup when they were holding over here, and I was paying a premium for tickets, especially for the finals. Um, now, for me, it's a, it's fine. It's like, man, I'm going to see a World Cup final. Of course I'm going to pay it. But for a lot of people, they're going to look at a ticket that costs like 200 and something bucks, and they're going to be like, no fucking way. <laughs> so... You know, it's not a Taylor Swift concert. Oh, God, no. How many of those have you been to this year? Uh, oh, man. I'd, like, how many have you been to? I don't know about you. I've been to about 22. Yeah, look, I think I've missed, I think I missed three of them. Yeah. She's just uh, a phenomena, Andrew. Mm, I, I couldn't agree more. How come she hasn't done the... Uh, all the entertainment stuff for the NRL. Well, I was thinking about that. Like, how much would it cost? Say they, the NRL, and the, the reason I wouldn't do it is because you might get half the crowd leave immediately as soon as she stops singing. But how much, say she's, and I don't know what time she's in Australia next year, but just let's say it's May. What if you pay Taylor Swift five million bucks to sing a couple of songs? It's, uh, you know, Stadium Australia and try and drag some more people into the game. What if he gave her $6 million to do all of that, plus she could do sideline commentary? Why not? She wouldn't be any worse than some of the bludgers we've got now. She would be better than nearly all of them. <laughs> Hello, who are you? Going, already she's better than Fritt, than Fittler. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, that's half of Andrew John's commentary. He's asking the other commentator, like, does he do this all the time? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Is that what he normally does? It's like, Andrew, you're a professional commentator. Yeah. Taylor Swift would come on. She was saying the same thing. Yeah, does exactly. he do this every week? Exactly. You go, well, at least we expect it from her. <laughs> Give her another million. I think that would work. Um, but, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty big week there. What else has been going on? There were some other international games of footy played during the week. Um, just trying to see where we were. Let's see. So, where were we? Nigeria and Ghana played in the women's game. Mm-hmm. Nigeria won 40 to 4. Uh, England women beat the Wales women 60 to 0. Wales, once again, hey? Yep. It's just untapped, Andrew. Untapped. <laughs> it's a reservoir. Yeah. <laughs> um, Germany, the men's game there, they beat Poland 54 to 10. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, Germany just absolutely annihilated Poland. <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> the, I tell you what, the German team is doing a little something. They're doing they've, a little something at something. It's interesting. They've been building up from their. Um, you know, all of their levels they've got there, the junior levels, um, all the way through the ranks. They've been building them all up pretty steadily over the last few years because they were playing a lot of internationals for a while. Then they just went quiet for a bit. Mm. And now they're getting back into the groove again. Um, 
the Netherlands is another one doing a very similar thing. And they're starting yeah. to play more internationals games and they're starting to put some good scores on teams. Yeah. Um, admittedly, the, the teams they're playing against are not hugely um, competitive at the, or at the same level. But if any luck, we might start seeing Germany play against, um, you know, teams like Serbia and stuff like that who are on that next tier up. Mm-hmm. And being if they're being competitive or be able to able to get wins against teams like that, then you start getting them playing against Italy and um, Greece stuff like that. And I mean, you're talking about teams that are have played in World Cups and they're on the cusp there. So I don't think they're too far away from being around that realm. Um, whether they they'll get into a World Cup, who knows? But they're working, they're going very quickly in the right direction there. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you want to see. Um, Greece beat Norway thirty-six to six. Papua New Guinea beat Fiji thirty-two to twelve. Um, some more women's games in Nigeria, Ghana fourteen to six to Nigeria. Uh, Greece women beat Serbia women eight four. And South Africa hammered Kenya fifty-six to twelve. And then three days later, they did it again eighty-two to two. Jeez the hell yep and coming up in december we've got jamaica playing usa that'll be interesting to see how that one goes um that's a big win for south africa considering they don't play rugby league in south africa yeah two two wins in three days yeah that's insane they didn't get that many wins in their first 80 years (laughs) (laughs) Um, imagine how how proud sean rutgerson is Uh, he'd be be over the moon (laughs) Uh, so that's pretty much it for the international stuff what else has been going on Uh, the only other little bit of news that we've seen is that there's been talk that the Sydney Roosters are going to try and sign a rugby union player from the Australian rugby union team I've never heard of him I couldn't tell you what position he plays he could knock on my door right now, and, and I'd probably know who it was because no one should be knocking on my door right now. Um, you know who will know? Who? Tim Sheens. Yeah, Tim Sheens probably saying, I've been trying this on him the whole time. How come, um, how come Australian rugby haven't gone and lured Tim Sheens yet? He seems to spend a lot of time looking at their young talent coming through. Give it a chance. They probably will. He, um, he's, he's, he spent more time focusing on rugby union lower-ranked talent than Eddie Jones ever did. <laughs> I better not say his name too much. It might rankle with a few people. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're looking to sign this guy from Rugby Union, and it's like, hang on, that whole fucking team was shit. Why, like, why are they looking at Rugby Union players like that? So I don't understand it. And then there was is it a... The, um, is it that winger that they've recently signed, Suwali? N- no. No, it's oh. not him. Some guy with the name that's got, like, 27 letters in it. Oh, I'll find it for you. Yeah, and like I just don't understand it. I really oh, yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah, I I can't pronounce that one. No, you can go go and give it a go. <laughs> Mark Noah Kwanatawasi. That's I I have never even heard of. I tell you what. I tell you what. Looking at that and having never pronounced it before, I reckon I've done a pretty fucking top job at that. Yeah. I've probably mispronounced. It's probably Smith, but yeah, it's just <laughs> Smith. Um, 
But yeah, like, what the fuck are they doing? I don't know. It's a weird thing about the uh, the Roosters. They they'll do this thing. They'll go through phases where every single player they sign is absolutely perfect for what they need, and it just works. And then the West Tigers start doing their recruitment, and you go, "What? <laughs> How did that happen? Like you 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 just ticking boxes and just making great decision after great decision, and then all of a sudden you went." Then all of a sudden they sign Ryan right. Hall. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? Where did that come from? Yeah. And it's a weird thing. I don't get it. And I think they've just started to go into that cycle. Um, and it, it, it makes no sense to me. Because I'm thinking, too, that they're probably going to start looking at, um, you know, changing up their roster soon. They've got a few blokes that are getting into their um, – into their 30s, they're, they're key players. So Tedesco's 30, Napa's 30, Kiri's 31, Tupo's 32. You know, they're starting to get up that way a bit. So they're going to be wanting to try and, um, you know, replace those guys soon. You've got, um, <coughs> excuse me, Angus Crichton, Lindsay Collins, Brandon Smith, Joey Manu, Paul Momorowski, they're all 27 at the moment. So they're going to be 28 starting next year. Manu's, there was a lot of talk that Manu's going to get a massive offer from the Dragons, uh, like the type of offer he probably can't refuse. Can I and, ask, hey? before you go any further, mm-hmm. how are the Dragons going to afford that when they have bought Kyle Flanagan? <laughs> he can't be on much. But the, anyway, the Dragons <laughs> are, are looking... <laughs> the Dragons are looking to sign Manu for on a massive deal, and if if the Roosters want to keep him, you watch them kick fucking Tedesco out the door and to the curb because that's what they do. They say, "Oh, he's a real rooster through and through," and then they say, "Get the fuck out of here." What Pack the Roosters should do is say, "Fuck out." How's about instead of Manu, we give you Tedesco? Because I reckon the Dragons would jump at that. They probably would, hey. And that would work for the for the Roosters because they throw up a ton of money and Manu can go straight to fullback. They will not miss a beat at all. If anything, it improves their spine. Yeah. And they just need to find themselves a centre and they've got fullback, fullback money to spend. So, you know, they can buy anyone at that stage. The The thing about the Roosters, I don't rate them. Again, going into next year for the simple fact that their halves are, are too small, too injury prone, and I think their forward pack is soft. It's going to be interesting because I think did, is Maria Hargrove retired? Uh, no, I don't think he is. Okay, because they, they're re- talking uh, about will he be able to play in the the game in Las Vegas? Oh, that's right. Mm. Well, if he's not retired, he will probably be in his last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, their pack's a bit thin on with talent. Yeah, they're soft. Um, so you know, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. I'm, I'm not. I'm not thinking that they're going to. Then they're going to be in the top six next year. I think they'll they'll be they'll be pushing again in the top eight. They're a red line team or team already for me. They're finished. And we're going to see if the sun really shines out the arse of Trent Robinson now because he walked into a really good team, very young team, won a lot of shit, 
and it's just all going downhill ever since. Like the, it's all trending downhill. And, you know, this is where a coach coaches. Well, or this is where you see the difference between a normal coach and Phil Gould, where Phil oh. Gould was able to see when a team was going to shit and he went to the next team that was on the way up. Yeah, exactly. Do you see they threw another Con- one of their players under the bus? <laughs> Which one this time? It was uh, I can't remember I can't remember his name. It was the one that was the club captain, um, and they basically told him to stay away. <laughs> There's so many players they've done it to now. It's insane. It's cannibalised their own. Um, yep. Yeah, didn't the the cowboy? Uh, sorry, the Bulldogs also announced like 37 players they signed the other day. I didn't see that. Yeah, they had a whole heap of them. Um, let me fight them. This is how we do prep while we're on air. <laughs> while we're doing it. This is our pre-game show. <laughs> this is exactly it. If anyone has ever been a, an actual guest on the show, they'll they'll attest to the amount of prep work we do prior to the episode starting. Look, Andrew, there's some podcasts out there they have segments, they stop, they start, they edit. We don't do any of that shit because be we're fun. just so talented. Well, that's right too. I, I said that's what I meant. Um, they've got – so their gains for next year. Bronson Cherry. Yeah. Have you, have you seen him? He's looking really good, hey, looking really sharp. He looks like um, the only player that, that's ever played in the NRL who instead of – trying to catch um, a Steeden and run with it. He could probably catch an Atlas ball and run with it. <laughs> He's already done that. They've already done like two or three redemption stories on him. Oh, yeah. There's going to be one every week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's learned his lessons, he says. Yeah. And uh, so the thing about – oh, man, that was, that was the second dumbest – drug testing thing I think I've ever seen in rugby league. Now, actually, it's in the top three, right? So the first one was the West Tigers back in the day when uh, they said they, they got done for cocaine, I think it was, and they said Kevin, somebody Kevin, must have Kevin slipped McGinnis a cocaine pill. Yeah, that was yeah. brilliant, a cocaine pill. The second <laughs> one was um, Michael Jennings, who's also coming back this year with the fucking Roosters. He he got done for doing the type of steroids that they were doing in like the seventies. Yeah, in even fucking... Ben Johnson looked at it and go, "Man, I wouldn't have done that one." Yeah, yeah, Ben Johnson <laughs> would have said, "I'm I'm more sophisticated than this shit." Like he was doing the sort of shit that you know the West German women would turn up to do the weightlifting and they'd have beards. He was doing that shit. And then there's Bronson Cherry, who's basically was on TV for a week saying, "Seriously, I'm running so quick, it's like I'm Ben Johnson over here." <laughs> it's hot. So they're the three that stand out for me. Well, I think from here on in, we need to call him Big Popper Pump. Big Popper Pump. <laughs> Who's a wrestler that, like, Big Popper Pump was pretty, you know. He's going to look like I know of who had biceps on top of his biceps. Lex Luger, he was another one. Yeah. Um, well, it was just, like, pretty obvious. Yes. Well, most of them from the 90s. Yeah. All of them from the 90s. Yeah. Um, now they're all clean. Yeah, that's right. Crystal clean. Um, they've got Blake Taff from the Rabbitohs. Or Taff, whatever his name is. Jamin yep. Salmon. 
Um, Josh Curran, Drew Hutchison, Kurt Mann, Jake Turpin, and Poasa Farmasuli. They've got a they've got a really good New South Wales Cup team there. They've picked up a few. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what to make of that. Seraldo's like, going to be sacked in about round eight. It looks like a lot of like for like for what they've lost. Yeah. Other than Crichton. Yeah, other than Crichton, they haven't signed any X-Factor players. It'll be yeah. round eight, and I don't know who's going to step in, but... Michael Potter. <laughs> it could be Michael Potter. I think I'll he's just, coaching their New South Wales Cup team, isn't he? I'll just bring him back. Might as well. Yeah. Bring him back um, for that for the majority of the season, but don't sign him as the coach. Sign a, another young coach, probably somebody that's at the Panthers, and just give him a massive contract. Uh, no, you know what I'll get? Yeah. Bring back Barrett. <laughs> What would happen if Trent Barrett, like, in, say, let's say in six or seven years' time, gets another shot at it, which he shouldn't, but he gets another shot at it, and he's just learned how to become a coach in that time? It would be devastating. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they got, I mean, he went from playing, and immediately it was like, I want to be a coach. And that was it. It's like, you've got to put in the work, man. Yeah. Yeah. Which, work. I'm yeah, I I'm I, I'm of the opinion that Cameron Serrato is actually a decent coach. You can't tell me that looking at that roster, you've got a team that's gonna make the finals. Like the one they had this year. Yeah. Well look or the at one they got for next year. And yet people are saying that he is definitely gonna get sacked first and go on. But look what he's working with. And he, he's got a lineup which has been abused like it's a fantasy rugby league team by yeah, the general that's, manager. That's a big problem. Like the amount of churn that this club keeps going through, you're not going to build any combinations or, you know, cohesion at all when the bloke that was on your left and your right the season before is they've all gone and there's two different people from two different clubs that are coming in now who have never played with each other or you. So well, think about, you've got no chance. Think about it this way, right? The Bulldogs this year are spending pretty close on $4 million bucks on three former Panthers players who stand shoulder to shoulder in the, in the attacking formation. So how much is left for the rest of the team? You know, it, it's just a real, they're just, their salary cap is abysmal, and that's why they're having to, you know, push so many players under the bus and tell play, players to go away, and then they leak shit to the media and say, "Well, oh, this guy's a problem," you know, and it just yeah. goes on and on and on. It's, uh, it's, it's just a mess. Gould just needs to coach him. He needs to man up because he's the only person he, he thinks that can coach these teams. He needs to man up and coach them, well, just go away. Yeah, Let Seraldo do the job. He needs to do a genius, or he needs to piss off. That's all that's got to happen. Yeah. Um, in crazy news, Yeah. the West Tigers still haven't signed Charlie Stange yet. 
I wonder where Charlie Staines is going to end up going. Magpies. <laughs> I'm trying to think of somewhere where it could be, where it could be, you know, kind of useful for them. I can't think of anywhere. No, he's already there. You know what? I wouldn't be shocked if he re-signed for the Panthers just as a depth player. No, nah, I don't think the Panthers are taking him. You don't reckon? No. I think if the Panthers are going to get depth players, they're going to be forwards, not backs. Because if they want backs, I'll just take them from the lower grades. True, but... Because I, a lot I, of the way the Panthers play, they rely heavily on their forwards and their defence. You can get a, you can get some 18-year-old from fucking Panthers train station. Hey, mate, stop nicking that shit. Come over here. We're going to get you to play a game of Panthers. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Put that trade ticket down. It's not yours. Come over here. I don't know where you got that from. We don't have those things out here. <laughs> Wait a minute. You get train tickets when you go to Mount Druid Station? Apparently. I thought you just, you just walk through the hurdle. That's what most people do. Yeah. Actually, is there a hurdle there? Someone hasn't pinched that already, have they? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely work. Um... Yeah, they'll they'll just get some some player from their lower grades, some teenage person to come in and just fill in because they've got plenty of them. I tell you what, their lower the grades their lower grades have been decimated by everyone else, which is fine. But which is like, why haven't losing a few how many young players have lost other clubs. But it's probably not a bad thing they've lost a few top end expensive players because it means they can go back to signing a lot of that junior talent up on long terms, and they might be able to. Um, you know, stop that bleeding, so to speak, there, and get yeah. back to locking them down and, and building forwards again. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, I, th- I think I was talking to Nadine about this during the week, uh, how Luai's contract, which is, is still up in the air, it's probably holding up a lot of re-signings of younger players at the moment. Um, and that's fair enough. Like, that's nothing against him. But it's it's really the thing that they have to work out between the two parties, um, and and then go you know then when once that's in place they'll know sort of where they stand with their salary cap space because uh, like if they've got eight hundred and fifty grand to spend, they they could probably upgrade a couple of contracts and they might be able to get someone pretty bloody good if they want to, like Charlie Stones. They could probably get four or five Charlie Staines. <laughs> Eight or nine of them. <laughs> he said, look, he's a handy player. He played very well in the 2022 uh, grand final. So, like, he's a handy player, but it's so crazy when you think of Penrith. They have probably the best winger in the game in To'o, and they also had the rookie of the year who was amazing on the other <laughs> wing. Like, it's just outrageous what they do. It is. It is. Speaking of outrageous things that have been done. Yes. These last few weeks, we finally finished on Rugby League Project every single match of the NRL history going back to 1908. I'm talking about lineups, everything. So yeah. you can see the appearance. Mm-hmm. And um, scorers for every single game that's ever been played since 1908 in the NRL. That's fantastic. And that that's... took 
18 years. <laughs> and we've still got a bit of work we're doing at the moment, like cleaning things up, um, fixing up missing player names or, you know, getting dates of birth for players that hadn't been recorded before. That's still yeah. all going on. But, yeah, if you ever want to go on there, there's nearly 10,000 players. You can check the whole list of them out and sort it by appearances, tries, goals, field goals, win percentage, wins, most wins, most losses, draws, all that sort of stuff. Um, you can even go by um, all that data by position. You know, see who see who played the most games as a as a winger. Mm-hmm. See which player had the most losses in the entire NRL career. I'm guessing that you know that. Paul Gallen. Yep. Um, so you, you know check what, all of that stuff you know, out. You know what? How about this? We go through right now. Yeah. And we do the most. Like we know that the player that had the most games as a center was Jared Croker, right? Yes. Fullback. Fullback. All right. Who do you reckon? I don't know, though. You do know. Is it... uh, uh, I want to say one player, but then I don't think it's him. I'm going to say, I'm going to give you a clue, okay? And it's not it's not going to sound helpful. Okay. Don't think too hard about it. Is it Billy Slater? It's Billy Slater. Okay. I was going to say him or Darren Lockyer. Okay. Lockyer is at 20th on the list. Oh, there you go. That's interesting. Uh, winger? <coughs> okay, winger. Um, man, this one's difficult. Winger. What about uh, um, I don't think it'd be Wendell Saylor because no, he was he was twelfth on the list with two hundred and five games. Yeah, um, and I, it wouldn't be Et because he moved into the centres. Um, <coughs> it's not uh, Daryl Halligan. No, he's fourth on the list with 226 mm. games. Damn. What about Rob Rod Wishart? No. I don't know where he's on the where is he on this list? I don't even see him. He's not somewhere in the top. Oh, he's fortieth on the list, 157 games. It's all he played. Wow, that's interesting. Am I missing someone really obvious? Hell yeah. Really? Yeah. Um Okay, there's there's a current player in second, a prominent mm-hmm. try scorer in third, and a prominent point scorer in first. A prominent point scorer in first? Oh, yeah. Well, I thought it would have been Daryl Halligan. No. Scored more points than Halligan. Oh, I'm missing someone really obvious. Oh, I'm too tired for this. Um, <laughs> uh, Tell me. All right, number three. How's the El Masri? El at one. He's got 293 games. There we go. I got there. I got Daniel, there. Daniel Tupo second with 239 games and Ken Irvine third with 237 games. Wow, that's interesting that Tupo's in second. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay, we know Santa, it's, it's turnstile. Yep. Um, 5-8. Um, I I don't think it'd be Laurie Daly. No, he's fifteenth with one hundred and seventy-three. It's not Brad Fittler. Oh, is it Terry Lamb? It is Terry Lamb. Yeah, 
Terry Lamb, 298 games. Fittler was eighth with 202. And Kieran Foran is second with 253. Oh, wow. That's interesting, that one. Okay, yeah. half back. Is it DCE? It is not DCE. He's third okay. with 305 games. He recently it... passed Brett Camorley at 302 games. Oh, really? Uh, what about, is is it Jeff Tooby? Uh, no, it's not Jeff Tooby. Okay. Come on, mate. This is another obvious one. Oh, really? Yeah. Coop Cronk? Yeah, 339 games. Okay. Mitchell Pierce was second with 306. I thought that Mitchell Pierce was going to go on to get 400 at one point. He was on track. He was. He was. Okay. Uh, props. It's got to be Petro. You'd think that, but there's two people ahead of him. Steve Price? He's not one of them. Ooh. Steve Price. So Petro is at number three with 267 games. Steve Price is 14th with 220. Oh, that's interesting. Because I think he started his career as a second rower. Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, so there's one bloke from a bit further back, and there's one that's still playing today. I want to say a bit uh, further back, 70s and 80s. 70s and 80s. Is it uh, Jeff Gerrard? No. I mean, he played in so many positions, he's not going to feature in any of these lists. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I don't know. All right, number two, Bob O'Reilly. Played 280 uh, games in the front row. And number one is Jesse Bromwich with 294. Jesse Bromwich. I wouldn't have got that one. I think if I'd really tried hard, I would not have got the top two for that. There you go. Well, let, let's see if we if you can name the top five for hookers. Because, I mean, the first one's obvious. It's Cameron Smith. Yeah. Uh, top five hookers. Yeah. Danny Badiris. He's not one of them. He's at 11. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Robbie Farrer. Yep. He's fourth. Oh, sorry, he's equal fourth with 261 games. Uh, I don't think it would be Steve Walters. I don't think it would be... Steve uh, Walters is equal to Robbie Farrell with 261 games. Oh, really? Yep. That's interesting. Um, what about uh, your mate, Benny? No. <laughs> no? No. <laughs> no, he's a 12. He's below Bedaris and he's equal with Michael Ennis. What a pair. And the thing that sucks Ennis. about this is Elias and Ennis had 217 games and Royce Simmons has 216. Yeah, but Royce won a premiership. I know Ennis did, but no one remembers it. Um, All right. Well, number two, Andrew McCulloch, 291 games. I wouldn't have got that one. And number three... Luke Prittis. I was thinking Luke Prittis, eh? There you go. Second row. Oh, it's got to be Beaver. No. Not Beaver. No. Um, One club it? player. One club player? Is it, uh, what's his name, David Ferner? No. Never David, won a premiership. David Fairley? No. He never won a premiership, this dude. Oh, it's fucking Hindmarsh. That's right, yes. Yeah. 311 games. <laughs> and lock. Lock. Uh, this one, this one's changed a bit, I feel like. Like what a lock was and what it is now is very different. Well, I'll tell you this. In his last season, <laughs> yeah, he took, 
he took the top honour from Ray Price, who had 242 games. There's only been three players to have reached 200 games as a lock, but there was three players who got to 199 games. Oh, man. It, it wasn't Bradley Clyde? No. It wasn't uh, Junior? No. Wayne Pierce has got 186 games. Okay. Um... Ashley Harrison, Dallas Johnson, and Paul Langmack all had 199 games at lock. And then you got Ronnie Coote with 229, Ray Price with 242. And then, uh, I don't know. Who is it? Paul Gallon. See, that's what I'm talking about. 247 games. Just a real natural athlete, too. 100%. Now, there's yeah. one position we've missed. He's not very good at pool, I've heard, though. Oh, right. <laughs> and he knows it. He knows it. Well, that's the main thing. You need to know where your, your strengths and your weaknesses. <laughs> now, um, can you name who the most capped interchange player is? Oh, you've got the most capped interchange player. Oh, yeah, oh, we've got man. that too. That's crazy. Uh, 163 games on the bench. Oh, my God. Played for Parramatta, Warriors, Dragons, Penrith, and Cronulla. Yeah. Penrith, Dragons, and Cronulla. Uh, no, I, I haven't got a clue. Jeremy Lattimore. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a lot of games on the bench. That is. It's a lot of times that they say, you're not quite a starter. There's 37 players made it to 100 games off the bench. That's that's impressive. Who do you think is the best bench player of all time? Craig Wing. Yeah, I think that that's a fair that's a fair statement. Just yeah. really handy in so many different positions. Yeah, you could just chuck him in anywhere. He played in the house. You could play him in the back line if needed be, and you could play him with hooker sometimes too. Yeah, very good defensive player as well for his size. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the, uh, there you go, most winningest players of all time. Oh, sorry, most capped players for each position. We're, we're able to do that because <laughs> of the hard work and dedication of everybody at Rugby League Project. Oh, yes. Thanks, Sean, later. <laughs> now, it's take, how, like, seriously, how much credit do you take for yourself? Like, is it 80% of it? 85? 90? It's, more, it's higher than 90, is it? Wow. 92? <laughs> wow. Come no, on now, realize, Andrew. I didn't realize I had to say stop. It's not stop. 95. Come keep on. Going, keep going, keep going. Wow. <laughs> um, I'd probably say... Somewhere around, well, I don't know, 40%, 50%. Because the way I look at it is a lot of this stuff had been recorded by journos in newspapers. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had to find it and compile it. Um, we've had a few other people that have helped us out, um, notably Greg Firebash and um, Paul Carter. They spent a lot of time going to libraries and going through their own personal libraries to Fill in a lot of gaps here as well. Um, obviously, the great work that David Middleton did as well. We're able to um, 
compare our data against what he had for a lot of stuff and see if there was stuff that we had missing or players on the wrong position or on the bench and they weren't supposed to do things like that. Um, and there was one other guy who used to run a website. I'm not too sure if it's still around or not, but uh, he also did a lot of stuff where he compiled a lot of these data out of the Rugby League Week magazines. Mm-hmm. A lot, the data's come from a lot of different places and there's still verification stuff going on um, against newspapers and other magazines and stuff. So um, we're trying to make sure that it's as, as thorough and as accurate as possible. Because that's what you want, people. So that's yeah, what exactly. You, that's what we're going to give you. Exactly. Um, we are also working on the all of the minor competitions, so AMCO Cups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's all currently being put in as well. And most, most of the uh, scores for those games are done. Um, we're working on appearances next. So then we're going to get everything in there. That's brilliant. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. I'm really proud of everyone there. I, I personally take 27% of the credit for Rugby League Project, and it's all, <laughs> it's all motivational speaking. It's a, like no work. I just keep saying to everyone there, keep going, fellas. Yeah. See. Andrew, do you have a PlayStation? And I say, yeah, yeah, sometimes I like this. Get off that fucking thing and get back to work, <laughs> you lazy fuck. Sorry, yeah, okay. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if I could actually, if there would probably be an honest tiny percentage that was just when we've been going to record and I've been like, oh, I can't record tonight and say you've done work on the project instead. Do you, do you want to know the percentage on that? What? It's... Very, very close to a hundred. <laughs> oh shit! Especially in in the recent years. Yeah, yeah. Because um, whether people know or not, prior to the current job I've got, I was a self-employed sports writer for several years, and so if we weren't recording, and that was when we were recording a lot when the podcast first started, um, I was doing that. So, um, yeah, I'd in those days. If we didn't record or if you couldn't make it, I'd just go and do the writing stuff that I need to get done. Mm. But over the last uh, three and a half years, four years, yeah, if you said, oh, I can't make it, podcast, where we're going, okay, on the Rugby League Project, I go. Rugby League Project work. It's a Rugby League Project night. <laughs> That's it. Every night's Rugby League Project night. Every night I get home from work. <clears throat> Once everything's all done, we're, we're all fed and everything like that. All the chores are done, so to speak, and everyone's Stuck asleep. Stuck into it, yeah. I get out here and I spend two, three hours on it getting to yep. it. I do the same sort of thing on Pornhub, hey? That's fair. Just get all everything done out the way. And if and anything, just... that's probably more productive. Yeah, yeah. Because as I said in the uh, episode 500 with Sean, sometimes I'll, um, I won't stick with a task. Yeah. So it can be hard to pin down what I'm working on and where I've been and what I need to finish off because I'll just sort of bounce around. I feel like doing this tonight. I feel like doing that. Yeah. Um, I used to be atrocious at that, but a lot better at it now and sticking to where I should be. But um, over the next month, it's going to be doing lots of writing and preparation to get the uh, the next annual finished. Oh, we're nice. We're going to try and get it out before the end of the the, uh, the calendar year. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of the, getting things done before the end of the calendar year, mm-hmm. what happened to your awards? 
We'll do them in the next episode. That's fine. Yeah. And something else I'll catch you off guard on. Okay. Have we had any emails? No. Oh. No emails. No emails. Fucking lazy listeners. Bloody hell. All they want is us to do all the work. Yeah. Podcast at leaguefreak.com. Yeah. People, you need to get in touch. You need to tell us what's going on, what you want, what you need to know. You need to tell us stuff. Yeah. Sometimes we just need to read your shit out so we've got some comments so you don't have to listen to us filling for time like we are right now. <laughs> we don't We don't need to fill for time. I know. Hey, I saw, I saw an article. Mm. This is completely unrelated to sports news whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I saw an article that said that there's now another cruise ship that's off the coast of New South Wales somewhere and it's got people on board who have got coronavirus and <laughs> diarrhoea. Oh, wow. So those poor bastards, every time they cough, they shit themselves. That's great. So you thought COVID was bad. Now we've got ass COVID. Yeah, ass COVID. <laughs> and you know what? Everybody. Remember back when we had all the lockdowns mm-hmm. and there was all the scenes every night on the news of people going around buying all the fucking toilet paper mm-hmm. and we all mocked them. We all yeah. heaped hate on them. Who's the fucking idiot now? Ask COVID's coming. They're already prepped. What have you got? Yeah. Imagine if there was. Imagine if COVID did move to the arse, though. <laughs> like they said, like then people would really pay attention to it. I mean, like you know, it's all fake news now, anyway. But they say, ladies and gentlemen, this is serious. COVID is now gone to the arse. If if COVID went to the arse, I can tell you right now. All of the news around the rest of the world and all the stuff going on around the rest of the world would cease to be reported on. It would bring world peace. While our, all of our asses are dying, we would at least finally have world peace. We won't have world peace in our own homes. Oh, no. That'll be a hell of a lot to its own. But there'll be world peace. There'll be no more murdering and killing of one another. We'll be too busy shitting. <laughs> I just think it's funny that the first thing in a, the first global pandemic of our lifetimes, is it wasn't the food that ran out, it was the toilet paper. <laughs> uh, I stocked up. I was stocked up ahead of everyone. I saw the. I saw it. I was going to say I saw this shit coming. Um, <laughs> I saw it coming. And so I had like all sorts of stuff stocked up. And then uh, it turned uh, out it was just the sniffles. It's just the sniffles, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was cranky sniffles for a bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that that's uh, that's on the horizon. There's been a few um, fear mongering articles about how there's going to be massive outbreaks of COVID throughout Sydney this Christmas. So you know, I'm not coming up to visit you. Not that's not fine. why you've got not why you've got the Rona. <laughs> not why we have Rona. <laughs> No, you've got the ass rotor. I was looking that. forward to to just stand and write in front of your face and just huffing back and forth between the two of us. Like <laughs> that was my favourite part of when you come up last time. I know it was great. It was great, but yeah, we might have to put it on hold. Well, this time we'll have to fart at one another. Yeah, it'll just shit everywhere. It'll be great. Well, go out from you know, It's like, listen, we're all in the same boat. I'm shitting right now. Let's That's get right. some steak. <laughs> Let's hoe into some steak and see you can hold it down longest. <laughs> <laughs> the ass, Rona. 
That would be terrifying. I'd be scared of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about that one. Yeah. More than anything else that's going on. But that, that's pretty much all we've got going. Let's hope no one shoves a bat up their ass. <laughs> yeah. Come on, people. Yeah. Eat your bat responsibly, yeah? Yeah. Just eat it. Don't stick yeah. it up your ass. Yeah. Cook it properly. Then chew it properly. Swallow, you know, all that sort of gear. I know I've got to be gentle there, but there we go. Yeah. Um, what else has been going on? What else have we got? That's pretty much it, hey? Pretty much it. Yeah. Oh, well. I can't, I've got nothing else to add. I think we have actually covered everything. Yeah, well, it's been a good episode. I think we've covered a lot of, of parts of life that needed to be talked about. And uh, next week, King of Rugby League Awards. Yeah. So I'll give I'll give people a bit of a uh, an inside view as to how as to how the week will unfold when you start doing these awards. Mm-hmm. I'll start getting DMs from Freaky. <laughs> Most of the time, I'll be at work. That's yeah. That's not going to stop me from replying. Yeah. But uh, I'll I'll see them. And um, listen, oh, who do you think should get this award? And like he, he he's got he's got this long list of awards. There's about thirty five of them. And like you'll, you'll, six of the them. first thing you, first thing you'll do is you'll put a Panthers player next to all of them, and then I'll nominate a West Tigers player, and you'll go, yeah, okay, I must be right then. <laughs> and then just as he's he's gone through the whole week, and we're like fifteen minutes away from jumping on air to start the episode, I'll just go, what about this player for every single one of them? You go, oh fuck, I forgot about him. <laughs> Yeah, that has happened. A and then of times. there'll be the existential crisis, and that's when I'll ring him up. <laughs> it's hard to go on air. <laughs> I'll, uh, and, yeah. And then it'll be seamless. It'll all go fine. You know what I found funny this last couple of weeks is there's been a couple of people on Twitter that have said to me like, like, oh, Penrith aren't the best team in the modern era. It's like, what are you talking about, you idiots? They just are. Like, they just are. That's not a a question anymore. They just fucking are. You're not the best until you've broken the cap. I know, right? How can you be the best if you haven't gone past the boundary? You know, if they just won the three premierships, I could see some people's points. But when you add the three premierships and the winning percentage, and the number of wins, and then that come back in the grand final, and the three straight grand finals. It's like, what the? F- what didn't they do? Like, pe- people are crazy. Well, let's be honest, Penrith didn't win State of Origin, did they? Exactly, exactly. And they did remember that there, there was a po- – how about this, Andrew? There was a point in 2023 where you could find people that would say, Mitch Moses is a better player than Nathan Cleary. <laughs> I know. Fucking, isn't life wonderful? That's oh, great. It's great. Well, you know what? With the best ahead of him, Cleary's going to have a bit of uh, a bit of competition this year. He's going to have the uh, unhinged, revamped, unleashed Luke Brooks. <laughs> Luke Brooks going under the radar at the same time. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 unleashed, unhinged, <laughs> off the rails. And off the radar. He's imagine gonna... if imagine if you just for whatever reason started playing like Andrew Johns. 
I'm not going to be surprised. I'm not, I'm not going to be surprised if he has the best season of his career. And I think I've suggested this before. I think going to a club where he doesn't have to control the team, he's actually got a genuinely good seven next to him. He's going to do all of that high pressure organizing stuff. And he's just going to be able to focus on his strengths, which is his running game. It's obviously not his organizing game. He doesn't have to worry about that. Is the is the best season of his his career, right? Let's say he has the best season of his career, I mean, or equal the, to the best that he's had. The bar is not high. Exactly. I was going to say, is it a first grade player? I think it will be. I think this year you will actually, or twenty twenty four, you will see Luke Brooks actually being, and it won't be from from round one. It'll be maybe a third of the way into the season when he starts to find his feet and his place in the side. Mm-hmm. I think you'll start to see him actually looking like a genuine NRL player. And a lot of people will say will be saying, Why didn't he do this earlier? How come we didn't do this at the West Tigers? And that's what's going to come out of this. And I'll say right now, and it's on the record, the reason why he didn't do it at the West Tigers is because he didn't have a genuine seven outside of him to do all the stuff that he can't do. Organizing, talking, getting things done. He, he can't do that. He can't do he that. He can't organise. He can't. He can't do all the stuff. No. People talk about you know that first that first year when he had you know Mitch Moses and James Tedesco there and they were this brilliant trio. I'm going, yeah. He had someone next to him by the name of Moses who can organise. And yet one of the best support line running players that we've seen in the last 20 years, not the best, but one of the best in James Tedesco, calling for the ball when he was, whenever he needed it, all Brooks had to do was pass it to his voice. I hear Tedesco, he called for it, bam, and going, yeah, it's easy to look good when you've got someone doing all the hard work for you, asking for the ball and organizing stuff for you. Of course he was going to look good in that. But after that, I, th- I think with Seabold as the coach, by round six, he will be on the bench as a utility player and Schuster will be at five-eighth again. And it just will all spiral into a mess. Seabold wouldn't do that. You don't think so? No, nah, Seabold will move him to hooker. We'll find out. <laughs> That's the best part. They play the games. Are we going to be watching Manly more than the West Tigers this year? That might actually be an upgrade for me, despite all of what Manly's doing wrong to their side. Uh, yeah, there's part of there's part of the Manly team next year that I like is like Car an crash. experiment. You know, <laughs> it's it's like what the fuck, uh, and it's similar. It's a similar way. Like I watch the West Tigers sometimes with the thought of like, is this going to be the game that someone gets eighty put on them? You know. And the, the Manly's going to be like, how bad can this get? Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm not too sure what's going on with Manly. I don't know if they're going to just sneak into the eight or whether they're going to challenge the Tigers for the spoon. It's going to be one of those two mad things. I think right now for the spoon, it's like West Tigers, Manly, and... Dragons. Yeah, probably Dragons. They, the Dragons need to recruit some talent. Yeah. Hey, I saw recently on Twitter, actually, just before we do head off, 
Mm-hmm. Some it might be that Code Sports mob. Oh, they're so fucked. Was it them? They've been doing lists. I don't know no, you love I? lists. Yeah, yeah I know. you love these lists. One of them was ranking the coaches. I saw that one. Heading into 2024, and I saw this, and I thought this thing's an absolute mess. <laughs> so one is Ivan Cleary. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um. Number two, Wayne Bennett? No. No, it's Craig Bellamy. It's Craig Bellamy. Who they've got at three. Number four, Trent Robinson. Mm. You go, given the rest of the coaches uh, that are, you know, in the NRL have either had less success or haven't had as many seasons, I, I, can, I can handle that. I think Trent Robinson is overrated. He may well be, but... There's not a great deal number of remaining coaches left that you can 100% go, yep, he's definitely better. Because Robinson has won some premierships. He's been around for a while, overrated or not. There are some runs on the boards where a lot of these other coaches don't have runs on the board yet. That's fair. That's fair. And so that's where I'm going with that. But it gets a bit messy after Robinson. Mm-hmm. Number five, we've got Des Hasler. He's got a lot to prove, man. Mm. What the number fuck? Six, number six is Ricky Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> My thoughts exactly. That's silly. Number seven, Andrew Webster. He should be higher. Number eight, Kevin Walters. Well, he should be higher. Number nine, Todd Payton. I think that's about right for Todd Payton going on last year. Number 10, Brad Arthur. Well, that's probably about right for Brad Arthur. Number 11, Shane Flanagan. <laughs> He's just such a natural athlete. <laughs> now, when I see Shane Flanagan on a list of coaches, yeah, he is the bloke I put at the very end because yeah. he has done a lot of cheating. Yeah, he hasn't. He's never achieved anything by fucking normal means. Well, if, even if he if he has, how can you be confident that he did? Yeah, that's a very good point. So it's he's a fucking cheat. He doesn't go above anybody. He's the Bronson Cherry of coaches. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly summed up. Um, number twelve, Craig Fitzgibbon. Uh, yeah, Let's, I think. You know. Let's look at the roster he's got and what he's done with them. Two final series in a row. I think he's done pretty well. He's definitely better than Flanagan. I have, yeah, anybody is, but I, I have question marks about Fitzgibbon. That, that's fine. Yeah. 13, Jason Demetrio. That's a difficult one because I've got question marks about him too. You have to. Number 14, Anthony Seabold. Holy shit. No. 15, he, 15 Adam O'Brien. Uh, yeah, that's probably about right. <laughs> 16 is Serraldo and 17 is Benji Marshall. I guess Benji you don't know yet, dear, until he's really done the job. No, Camp- but you know Sor- what? Mm. Neither neither Serraldo or Benji Marshall have cheated as coaches, so automatically they're higher than Flanagan. That's true. That's 100% correct. I feel Point. as though Seraldo hasn't really had his chance yet, hey, which is he kind hasn't. of crazy. 
He hasn't. Seabold and O'Brien have. I would be putting Seraldo above both of those. Um, yeah. I would probably have Arthur a little bit higher than um, some of the guys that are above him. Peyton and Webster. And I'm not saying that Webster's a bad coach. I'm just saying that he hasn't been around very long. True. And I don't think we should be... That's the problem with lists like this. And it was actually from SEN. It wasn't from Code Sports. This oh, they're, they're fucking... Some of their lists are... Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'd be... I'd be inclined to have Brad Arthur a little bit higher mm-hmm. just because he's been around a bit longer. I'd have... Demetrio above Fitzgibbon, and I'll have both of them move up a little bit higher. That'll probably happen just with Flanagan going down to 300. I think I think the problem with the list like this is when it comes to coaching, there's only really a couple of categories. In either you either did a good job, or because a, a, a losing coach is a bum, they just are. It's very rare you got to a dude that's losing games and you say, yeah, but he's, he coached the shit out of them. You know what I mean? And so normally you just either, you considered a good coach or you're a bum. And, and I think that's where you get a list like this is a problem because most of the competition, you know, you get outside of say Cleary, who's the premier, uh, Bellamy, who it's just unquestioned Wayne Bennett. It's unquestioned. And I just think for the most part, everyone else, they lost last year and they're just bums. Well, That's yeah. kind of the way I look at it. That's the thing. You look at, you look at that list, though. And I know you said Robinson's overrated, but, I mean, how yeah. many of those other coaches would you legitimately put above him? Like, I, I, I suspect you're going to put a few above him, but he's not going to fall miles down the list, is he? No, probably not. You think Hasler and Stewart are the only two... I was and Arthur and Flanagan, I guess, with plenty of experience. Haven't won a great deal though. Well, Stewart won his f- premiership in his first season, but that yeah. was because he took over from uh, Gray Murray. <clears throat> yes, and and, and and Phil Gould was doing most of the work. Yeah, <laughs> and so, like, and and I mean, it's been a basket case ever since with Stewart, really, hasn't it? Yeah. Lots of lots of mid midfield sort of performances, and just bad coaching decisions too. Yeah, um, Hasler, like his last, I think he made grand finals over a decade ago. Yeah, and then I mean, it ended up falling apart at the Bulldogs. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's Andrew it's Webster, a, Kevin Walters, Todd Payton. They've not been around too long. Yeah. Um, and they and all you... took over teams that were the absolute shits. Yeah. Well, when you look at what Kevin Walters did, that turnaround is historic. Oh, unbelievable. So, you know, and I know that they lost the grand final, but, you know, I watched that grand, the last 20 minutes of the grand final again, I think it was yesterday or today, I can't remember. And the, like the crazy thing about that grand final is if somebody said, oh, man, did the Broncos play really terribly in the second half? You'd have to say no. They were fucking really good. Like they put on three amazing tries. They got a huge lead over a great team. 
And then they, it's not like they even played poorly when Penrith were coming back. They played really well. Like I was, when I was watching it, I was like, the only real massive failure that was in that game in the last 20 minutes by the Broncos was when Adam Reynolds kicked it out in the full from the, from a dropout. That, that was a really bad mistake, that one. But outside of that, they, they did their job. Absolutely. It's crazy. Um, Penrith don't know how to lose. That's the problem. And that's, I know it sounds weird, but that's kind of what it's like. Look, I remember watching those final few moments when, you know, Penrith were attacking the Broncos line. And I just knew that they were going to find a way to get over. I don't know how, but it's just because all you see them do is find ways to win games. Mm. And they just did it again. And you're like, it's amazing that they know how to do that. They're they're mm. insane. And there's nothing you can do to coach against that. Um, no. And I don't think there was much Walters could have got more out of his team. The The dropout thing didn't help because that gave Penrith a try. Yeah. That was the dumb thing. You've got to play it safe when it comes to things like dropouts. Just fucking kick it long, defend your line. Um, those short dropouts, they did them time and again, and they were just – they never worked for them. They just put more pressure on themselves. Yeah, it's but that was really the only catastrophic error, you know, that they made. Yeah. Uh, the, the rest of it, like the defense was pretty good, you know. It's, cra- oh, it's yeah. crazy to say it, but it was. Yeah. Um, so another thing I put on here for why I say Benji Marshall should go above Shane Flanagan, because mm-hmm. Benji Marshall signed halves. Yeah, that's true. And halves – they're the future. Well, you need them. Yeah, yeah. People, and Shane people, Flanagan just, just went with nepotism instead. Yep. But people He's, have overlooked halves for many, many years in rugby league, right, and it's see. good to see Benji's finally focused on halves. Shane, Shane Flanagan's the uh, Lawrence Stroll the game here. The Lawrence Stroll? Who the yeah. fuck is Lawrence Stroll? He's the owner of Aston Martin in F1 who just hired his oh. son to drive the car and all his son does is crash it everywhere. <laughs> Cole Flanning is going to be crashing the Dragons every week. There you go. That's that's my view on that <laughs> drama, that saga. Um, we managed to get a little bit extra out of that. I didn't – I forgot about that. Um, what's the other one? Name a, name a team that will improve in 2024, one that will regress and one that will remain the same. And so I said West Tigers. <laughs> Just for all of it. <laughs> two or three. Well, see, you'd have to, um, like, I would pick the Panthers to regress just because, like, <laughs> that, like they have to. <laughs> well, they don't have to. They can remain the same. But, like, the, where they're at now, you just, if they regressed, if they lost, like if they come second in the competition, they've regressed, technically. Well, yes, but I don't think they'll regress. I think they'll just remain the same. I think other teams will get better. That doesn't mean that the Panthers regress. I think it's that the... Plateaued. You know who should really improve out of sight is the Gold Coast Titans. Yeah, they won't. They won't, no. No. Um, I think the the Dolphins will improve. Yeah, they should, yeah. Um, regress. The I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Tigers are the ones that regress, and I think the Panthers will say the same. I know people will say that 
how can you regress when you're already last? I'm going, well, they won four games the last two years. They can win less. Yeah. And I don't know. The Tigers need a lot of changes to make that team better, and then none of them are happening. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not confident that they're going to get better anytime soon. Yeah, I think you can make a really good case that their lineup next year is going to be worse than their lineup was this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's about it. Well, it's been a great episode, Andrew. We finally got there. Mm, mm, we did how, good. How many times did we put this one on hold? About five uh, times? Uh, no, it was only about three or four times because you had your computer issue and think that was the only thing that we had that was the issue oh you you had to violently dismember a few medical professionals oh yeah that's right i forgot about that (laughs) i tried i tried to zen that out of my system now i'm thinking about it again oh there goes another one (laughs) that's fine there's too many of them anyway well, yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to destroy them. You can just send them to a boat and they can do some ass rona instead. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. All righty. Well, thanks for tuning, in, everyone. Make sure you check us out on all the socials. Um, and we'll catch you all next time. <laughs>